The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Being Bumo. Before we go into our episode today, I want to share something that I wish I knew about when I gave birth, and that is CBR, Cord Blood Registry. Have you guys heard of it? It pretty much will give any parents peace of mind as they are raising their little ones and even as they get older. Pretty much what cord blood is, is a leftover blood in the umbilical cord after birth. Cord tissues is a cord itself and it both contains powerful stem cells that could be used. Look, the biggest fear for any parent is that something could happen to their child early on or in the future, right? The incredible thing about cord blood stem cells is that it can already help treat over 80 conditions like certain cancers and sickle cells anemia. Plus there's research in progress for even more potential uses. Core tissue stem cells are also showing a lot of promises in regenerative medicine. Over 200 clinical trials have been initiated worldwide to potentially help treat conditions that can occur over a lifetime like brain injuries, cardiovascular disease, and autoimmune disorders like lupus. Look, none of us want these things to happen to our kids, but let's face it, we live in uncertain times and it's always best to prepare. The thing is, parents only get one chance to collect these newborn stem cells, and that is at birth. It is such a simple process and only takes a few minutes for the OB or midwife to do, and it's completely painless. These cells are genetically unique. Baby is 100% matched to their own stem cells, and full siblings have a 75% chance of being at least a partial match. The stem cells get cryogenically frozen, and they can be used for decades to come. CBR is a number one OB recommended family bank, and they are also the number one choice of expectant parents. Over 1 million parents have stored with CBR and is the most experienced stem cell bank and the leader in the industry. Visit cordblood.com and use code BUMO, B-U-M-O, for 60% off CBR's newborn stem cell bundle, which includes both cord blood and cord tissue banking. Harness the possibilities and visit cordblood.com today. This is Being Bumo, a podcast for the modern parent that wants to be the best version of themselves while being the best parents they can be for their kids. We'll be spotlighting parents and experts who are not only inspiring, but also willing to share with us how it really is. Because as we all know, parenting can be equally as rewarding as it is challenging. We're here to make your life easier, a little less stressful, and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. Welcome back, Bumos. Today, we have Dr. Morgan Cutlip, who is a relationship expert who earned her master's in human development and family science and her doctorate in counseling psychology. So she knows a thing or two. Through her educational experience, she studied relationship development, maintenance, and predictors of relationship success. I don't think there's a magical potion to a successful relationship, but there definitely is a formula, and she shares that with us today. She also directs research and development at Love Thinks. She has been happily married for nine years and a proud mother of two. Today, we talk about relationship resentment after having kids and ways to stay connected with your partner. We also talk about sex and how we should manage and view it. So with that said, here's our conversation. 
Hi, Morgan. It's so great to see you. It's so great to see you too. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, I am so excited as your posts have been so inspiring to just follow and, you know, read throughout this incredibly challenging time. So first of all, thank you for all that you do. Oh, thank you for, for following me and for and for supporting my work. I appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. So you talk a lot about relationship resentment, which I find fascinating because I feel like when I talk to a lot of relationship experts, they really focus on um, the pretty things sometimes. And I love that <laughs> you focus more so on the things that are not really talked about, which mm-hmm. is resentment infidelity even, sex, um, setting boundaries, and really just normalizing these kind of conversations. Because let's face it, you know, once, especially after you have kids, right? You you go through a lot of these (laughs) issues and it's totally normal. But more often than not, we oftentimes feel like we're the only ones going through those things. So thank you so much, first of all, for normalizing these conversations. And let's just get started from there. How did you get started with this career and talking about these things? Yeah, this is kind of the hidden part of my Instagram that no one sees, but I have had an interest in this profession since I was in grade school. My dad actually went back to school for his doctorate when I was, I think, maybe five or six. And I started going to classes with him and just really developed a passion for, I think it's partly like the problem solving that goes into helping people kind of work through family and relationship issues. And so pretty much since then, I've followed in his footsteps and educationally and professionally. And he had a private practice for many years and then branched out into developing educational programs to help people in relationships. And so for my teenage years, I started speaking at conferences with him on these topics and working with him. And I've kind of like branched out in terms of developing a lot more content on specific topics to help couples. So a lot of the programs that he creates and that I now help create are a bit broader, kind of more a uh, big picture. And so I've really dug into, okay, what do we, what do we want to talk about when it comes to resentment? How can we help people? How can we be very practical when it comes to talking about infidelity or, or these different concepts? So um, we continue to work together today and that's incredible. Yeah. So it's, I'm really fortunate because I have a a mentor who I love and appreciate and, um, he's just amazing in the stuff that he comes up with too. So I'm really fortunate to work with him. So So we have a company where we work together. So I would imagine since you've been exposed to this at a very young age, seeing your father do this, I'm Mm -hmm. sure that you've heard of all sorts of stories and been exposed to so many things at a young age that most kids at your age probably (laughs) would have never even experienced or even have heard about, right? So how, how did that kind of, I would imagine sometimes if you know more, it could scare you going into a relationship, right? (laughs) So did that affect kind of you growing up or did that affect how you looked yeah, at marriages and relationships? I mean, of course it affected me. How could it not? I, you know, we used to play this game when we would be in the car, my dad and I, where he would give me a case. And I think I was like 
six. I have a seven-year-old, so I'm trying to imagine playing this with her, but he would give me a case and I'd try to come up with um, treatment plans for these families or these couples. So (laughs) I know it affected me. And I think the biggest way was that when I started dating, I I went into it with a lot of expectations Mm. because I grew up learning so much about relationships, talking so much about relationships. And so I'm actually married to uh, my high school sweetheart and we broke up for a long period of time, but he would attest to that fact too. I mean, we met when I was 14 and it was like, woof, you expect a lot out of, <laughs> out of a partner for somebody who's 14. So I know that it affected me big time. Wow. Well, now that we're on the topic of kind of relationships and you obviously being um, married and having kids, what are some of the most common relationship issues that come across to you and even maybe that you've also experienced yourself? Yeah, I think I think when we think about relationship issues, you can kind of look at two different categories. So one category would be like the big blow up type of issues that you see a lot of, which is like infidelity um, or addiction or major betrayals that influence relationships and just that impact them kind of in this big blow that really dismantles everything. And then couples are forced, you know, to kind of deal with, you know, the wreckage of that or to leave the relationship. But then the other category is just these small little things that happen in relationships that bit by bit erode at the closeness and connection. And that would be things like resentment changes after kids, changes in your sex life, feeling like, you know, for women, a lot of the times feeling like we're carrying the bulk of the mental load and the invisible labor of the home. And so these kind of like little day-to-day things that start to erode closeness over time that become then bigger picture issues later on and for the relationship. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, all these little things definitely do add up and it can mount up to something like a big blow up, as you would say. So what, what kind of advice can you give to just the everyday couple then, right? Because we all go through it, you know, having resentment is natural. I mean, I don't know if it was, it's natural, but it's something that happens more often than not. And especially after having kids. So, Mm -hmm. so how do you go about, you know, controlling those kind of thoughts and emotions? Yeah. I mean, I think, so like if I wanted to zoom out and give advice for couples, if there's one thing, especially as you head into either having kids or if you already have kids and you kind of want to make some adjustments, it's that you got to have a plan. I think that before kids, it's really easy for couples to just kind of like enjoy the ride of life. It's like (laughs) if something kind of messes you up or, or you have a relocation or you have a job change or these things come along. It's like an adventure. It's not that big of a deal. Sometimes it is, but usually it's not. And you kind of just weather it and you have fun together and you do your own thing. When kids come into the picture, that stuff becomes much harder to navigate. And so I think the biggest takeaway, if, if people listening to this and they take away one thing, it's you have to have a plan. Um, for how you're going to navigate stuff together as a couple. And the best way to do this is to have regular check-ins on your relationship where you touch base and you talk about how we're doing. This can be really helpful after kids because it can prevent all those little kind of things that start to erode the closeness. It can prevent them from building 
and becoming too big of an issue. It's like you don't leave anything unaddressed if you're regularly checking in with each other and touching base on your relationship. What's a good check-in amount? I mean, I know it could change, it could vary, but what would you say is a healthy amount? So it totally depends on the couple. So let's say you're just a regular couple and so far so good, you're doing really well. I'd say once a month. Once a month, check-in, they should be 20 minutes come together. How are we doing? Do you have any needs come, you know, like big events coming up or maybe you have more to do? Are there any needs I'm not meeting? Um, How can I support you? You just check in 20 minutes, keep it positive. If you're a couple who is struggling, there's a lot going on. Things are already starting to build. Do it every week, every other week. You know, you just, you have to kind of tweak the frequency and see what works for you. And I think that it's something that if couples do regularly over time, you will start to kind of integrate these check-ins into your normal conversation and the need for a formal one might not be as necessary. You know, some couples will just start to do it naturally. And so you can kind of fade out. Hey friends, my name's Olivia Perez and I'm an entrepreneur, journalist, and the host of the Friend of a Friend podcast. Every Monday, I meet with some of today's youngest and brightest entrepreneurs to make space to tell their stories and shine a light on who I believe to be the next generation of luminaries. I'll interview up-and-comers and game changers from brand builders to personalities, activists, artists, and thought leaders from around the world. Each episode lets you be a fly on the wall during one of the greatest pep talks, like a conversation between you and a friend or a friend of a friend. See you there. What are, because I feel like this is a really great start for couples that are not doing that already, but it might be a little awkward at first. So what are, yeah, that's okay. Who cares? What are the questions that could prompt these kind of successful conversations with your partner? So I I, I just heard, I just heard, are there any needs that I'm not meeting um, or that need to be met? That's a great question. Are there any other questions that you would suggest on asking during these conversations? Yeah. So I think that couples can think about, so in our, in our course for couples, we actually give a plan for these meetings um, that is really specific, but you can start to think about like maybe what specifically is going on in your relationship that you want to work on. So for example, a lot of women talk about wanting more help. So let's say you're having a check-in and it's heading into the holidays. It might be a conversation around, Hey, holidays are coming up. There's going to be a lot more on my plate with gifts and planning. And, you know, if we're having anybody over or we're not, or how are we going to navigate this because of COVID? You know, if there's things on the horizon that are going to increase a partner's responsibilities, that's something that's good to talk about during that check-in and set ways of kind of delegating and planning ahead. Another thing to check in on is your sex life. How are we doing? Um, I've noticed this month it's not, you know, we've not had a lot of sex this month. You know, how are you feeling about that? What could we do more of? These are some things that are interfering with me being in the mood. How can we work on addressing some of that stuff? So I think talking about your sex life, couples do not do that enough. And this is a great time to come together and talk about that stuff and kind of just check in on how you're doing. Another big, big thing So we're talking really big picture. Maybe we'll get into this if we start talking about resentment a little bit more, but is touching base on your attitude towards each other. So couples and and can get really stuck in thinking about their partner's 
in a certain way, that's not always the nicest interpretation. (laughs) So (laughs) it's good to regularly kind of touch base on like, how are our attitudes toward each other? And are there assumptions that we might need to come together and check against our partner's reality? So maybe we're jumping to conclusions about certain things that our partner's done. And this is a great opportunity to check with them to say, this is what I was thinking that you meant or your intention was. Is this accurate? Help help me understand so I can reset my attitude. I love that. I mean, these are really great things to talk about that usually probably won't be talked about unless there was like a set yes. formal meeting in the beginning. As you mentioned, it could naturally go in, weave into conversations as you become more comfortable with these kind of topics, but I really love these questions. Now that we're kind of talking about uh, resentment, mm-hmm. you know, I think it's normal to say that, especially women, as you mentioned, they start feeling a bit resentful towards their partners, especially after having kids. I think it's a bit of like them bearing a lot of the load um, with this newborn and also stuff that needs to be done around the house and also work maybe if they're working. So (laughs) what can you do when you are feeling resentful towards your partners? I know that we just talked about, you know, having these kind of sit down meetings and I guess some ways to stay connected with your partner after having kids. Yes, this is such a, I mean, I think we could spend the rest of the time talking about this particular question because it's so big. So what you're saying about women feeling kind of like more of the burden after kids is absolutely true. It's what research shows us time and time again is that after having kids, marital satisfaction tends to take up a little bit of a dip. Why? Well, for women, it's because they feel a loss of freedom and they feel an increase of responsibility because of their change in role. For men, it dips for different reasons. It's financial and also the change in sex life. So um, it's it's like a breeding ground for resentment when you have this combination. Women are burdened and, and we're tired and we're doing more things. And the men are like, well, what about our sex life? And so <laughs> it, it, it just like perpetuates each other, right? So one thing is you want to have a plan when you go into this. It's good to prepare before you have kids. It's never too late, but it's good to prepare before you have kids and kind of talk about some of these things and how they're going to be handled. Another thing that you just want to want to think about when it comes to resentment is there are two sides. There's always a one way of dealing with resentment which is within. So me as an individual, what am I doing to contribute to the resentment in my relationship and what can I do about it? And then there's the between, what's going on between my partner and I and what changes can we make there? And it's just there are so many things that can be done in these two areas. So one thing with, um, that often happens after kids when it comes to resentment is that we have a lot of expectations that we don't necessarily express or we might not have even really been aware of before kids come into the picture. So if you think about, I mean, you have little kids you see how they play with toys and nurture. And so we're all kind of learning from a very young age 
how to be caregivers, how to be parents, how to be partners. And so we carry these expectations through our whole life. And they're like these dormant seeds that don't really get unearthed until kids enter the equation. And so all of a sudden then we have this baby and we have this whole like slew of expectations that have been growing throughout the years and have finally blossomed. We've never communicated them with our partner. And we're like, why aren't you doing more things? I expected that my future partner would do this for me or would participate in this or would be, um, even during pregnancy, we have expectations of what that looks like what kind of um, parent our partner will be and what kind of partner they'll be to us when we're a parent. And so this, this is a really a major source of developing resentments after kids. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I read it in one of your posts, and I really love this post. You said that children have a way of highlighting vulnerabilities in a relationship. At first, I was a little confused by what that meant but it really made a lot of sense. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. I mean, so children are just one of these wonderful blessings in life that have this way of kind of pulling us apart. And so (laughs) (laughs) that basically (laughs) sums it up. It's like, we love you, but you've completely made connecting with one another a thousand times more difficult. They, they wear on us physically, emotionally, they drain our reserves of patience. Um, it shifts our focus of where we invest and what needs we're taking care of. And so if you're going into having kids and there's a lot of issues already in your relationship, if you're not able to communicate your needs with one another, if your partner's not that good at meeting your needs, you're not that good at meeting your partner's needs or your sex life's kind of not super great or any of these things, when you have kids, it's not going to make these things better. It's going to be an added challenge to maintaining this closeness and connection in your relationship. Which is so true because I've heard so many times and I have a few friends that always say, oh, well, if we have kids, you know, our problems will kind of disappear because the focus is now the kids, right? But Maybe temporarily because you are just so caught up with like day to day, but once that kind of bypasses and becomes normal, then I feel like if you don't solve these problems that you've always had, it only amplifies it even more so. Yeah. I mean, you're so spot on. It's, it's like how I said, when you have kids, it kind of messes up your relationship and there's, and and it's a blessing that messes up your relationship, but there's lots of things in life that are like this. Um, even, you know, an illness can mess up your relationship. Moving can mess up your relationship. COVID messes up your, all these things, right. Can throw things sort of out of balance and that's normal. Totally. Okay. It's expected life gets in the way, but when you don't address these imbalances or this being messed up and it goes on for months, for years, for a decade, that's when your relationship is really at risk. And this is what we kind of where we started when I said, you know, there can be these sort of small things in relationships that kind of fly under the radar that don't really get dealt with that can lead to these major blowouts later on down the road in your relationship. So your friends having kids, you know, of course, and for a little bit, they might feel that it's helping the relationship because it's a welcome distraction right. from what might be really going on. 
right. in their relationship, or they can throw all of their love into their baby, or if they're feeling maybe invisible or neglected in their relationship, they can kind of soak up all that love from that baby, but it's just um, sweeping it under the rug and the yeah. stuff comes out later. And also to add in here, I've also experienced this as well, but men, uh, your partner sometimes, and it's so, it seems stupid because you're like, well, why would he be jealous of the baby, right? Because that's his kid as well. But I've seen it happen before where it's like, you're giving so much love and attention to this child. And then your partner all of a sudden becomes kind of like, the bottom of the hierarchy at that point. Yes. And they they feel that, right? And they also probably have a bit of resentment built up as well, correct? Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point. And I and it's not true for everybody, but I do think it happens a lot where when a baby comes along, you know, meeting each other's needs really takes a back seat and everything is about baby's needs, baby this, baby that, you know, and especially for first time moms, as you're trying to figure out, you know, I mean, it's a whole identity shift. It's a whole nother topic, but like what kind of mom am I? Um, You start worrying about things you never worried about and it can be very consuming. And some people kind of readjust and shift out of that and some stay in that mode. And the dads are like, hello, what's, <laughs> remember me? And like, we had a life before this and I liked that. And, you know, where'd you go? And I think, you know, I think, um, you know, if men, men, men don't always have much of a voice in this space. There's a lot of stuff from support for moms out there, but they might say something like, I miss my wife. Um, and so I think it's important, you know, to kind of reframe how we think about that. Are they jealous of the baby? Sure. But maybe they're just missing that connection um, with their partner. And so it's, that's why these check-ins can be really beneficial um, to come together and, you know, talk about this stuff. How are we doing? Are we even, are we like two ships passing in the night or are we really having any time to connect together and feel, feel close with one another? I'm going to have a check-in tonight with my husband. Like you've inspired me. (laughs) (laughs) It can be fun. Um, It should be light. It should be fun. Yeah. Awkward. The first time. I I think a lot of people, they kind of associate check-ins with like this really serious moment where they have to sit down and make sure that like the, the mood is somber and like really serious, but no, it could be lighthearted. As you mentioned, it could be over like, a date night at home once the kids are down or whatever, you guys can have a drink together and just kind of more so casually talk about it, but obviously making it a point that this time is for us to chat, but also have a good time as well. Exactly. And you bring up such a good point, which is that when people talk about their relationships, it's almost always because something's wrong. Yeah. And so we have this belief that it's like, wait, you want, you want to talk about a relationship? You know, what, are you mad at me? Like what's, (laughs) so when you have the check-ins, it starts to just kind of dismantle that perspective. It challenges it. Um, it normalizes that like, it's just part of being in a relationship. We're just going to talk about it. It doesn't mean anything's wrong. And another thing too, is women almost always carry the responsibility of managing their relationship. So we like briefly touched on, you know, the the mental load or invisible labor, but that falls on women a lot of the time. And so when these check-ins are just something that are that they're scheduled, 
they're reoccurring, it takes that off of our plates. It, it frees it up. It's like one less thing to worry about. So it's like auto pay. You just like put it totally. on the calendar and it like, you know, when that time of the month is there and you just don't have to worry about it. Exactly. Um, one topic I want to talk to you about, because I see that you talk about this quite often, which is sex. Oh, and yeah. <laughs> this is a fun topic, but also maybe daunting to some people as well. Um, just because naturally when it comes down to intimacy and sex life after kids, I, I think, especially for new parents, they just feel like they're exhausted and they don't know how to prioritize it any longer as they used to. But I saw a post that you did and you talk about how sex starts outside of the bedroom. What does that mean? Yeah, it's <laughs> so it's basically like emotional foreplay. Uh, sex is not just, you know, like the kissing and the touching and that stuff, especially and research shows this, especially for women. Sex is is a lot about freeing up the mental space for it quite honestly. It's about being helpful, meeting their needs outside of the bedroom. The more they feel women, especially, and I know this, I'm very much generalizing here, but it's just what research says, but more so women, when they feel loved, they feel taken care of, their stress levels are low. And this is all out of the bedroom work. They are more apt to be in the mood in the bedroom. And so it's, it's really important. And there are men like this as well, but it's just really important to not think narrowly about foreplay or about sex or what it means and what it takes to be in the mood. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it also is in the mind as well. And you have to feel good about where you're at, your mental state, because when you're stressed out, I mean... No one can really have, I mean, maybe, maybe some people can, but I definitely can't have good sex when I'm like stressed out. So no, your mind is elsewhere instead of focusing on like enjoying it and having pleasure and all of these things. It's like, you're distracted thinking about the thousand things that you need to get done the next day. Exactly. And you also talk about how initiating sex is an act of vulnerability. I never heard of that because I always thought it was the opposite, right? It's like, you know, whoever wants it and someone is receiving it, the receiver is being vulnerable. But you you are saying that it's the opposite. The person that is initiating it is actually the vulnerable one. What does that mean? It's so funny because I hear from so many people on this post and they talk and talking about how scary it is to initiate sex um, with their partners. Um, so I think it varies, but, you know, putting yourself out there to your partner saying, I want you, I'm in the mood, like, do you want me? And facing that possibility of your partner saying, no, that's a vulnerable thing. And uh. I think that it's, in, so whenever I do, I do series on Instagram and whenever I do these series, I really try to balance out perspectives because I think it's important to see all sides of something. Things are not black and white. There's so much gray when it comes to relationships. And this is uh, really especially true in the sexual relationship. But I think that it can be easy to fall into the mentality of, um, oh, my partner always wants sex and so annoying and not really thinking about what is that like to be the partner who's pursuing and who's rejected 
repeatedly. And not like this is a case for everybody, but if you experience this in your relationship, it's important to kind of take that perspective for a minute and imagine what that feels like. Uh, What often happens and what I see um, that happens in couples is if somebody is initiating repeatedly and they have a partner who rarely is on board and who rarely says yes to sex or any sort of kind of physical intimacy, they reach a point of shutting down and of not initiating anymore. And it's because it's like a rejection. It's a rejection of um, your whole self right, in a a big way. And so um, it's just an important perspective to think about. That's a really great way to look at it. Like really think about the other partner that is initiating it. They could be fully rejected and that hurts. Rejection hurts. Yeah. Not but to say what? that you have to say yes because you're exactly every single time you can say no. I mean, I think that's you know, I got a little pushback on some posts. It's like, well, you gotta read my other posts because you can't put it all in one square, right? But like you can still say no. And there are totally acceptable ways um and kind ways of saying no to your partner. That was actually my next question. But what if like you're extremely tired and you're just like, yeah. I, I cannot physically, mentally, emotionally come to myself to do this right now. Is yeah. there a gentle or nice way to say no? Totally there is. You can, I mean, there's like a million ways, but you can, one way, um, this is, feels good to some people, not good to others. One way is to say, tonight I'm too tired, but let's plan on it tomorrow. So you can, you can say no with a promise of it in the future. This is helpful because, too, the anticipation of sex helps to build feelings of being in the mood for sex. And so it can be helpful to both people to be thinking about, well, it's happening tonight. And then you can kind of think about it throughout the, throughout the day. Or you don't have to give a promise of it in the future, but you can say it in a really gracious way. You can say, oh, you are so sexy. I love you. Like, I... I love having sex with you, but I'm too tired tonight, you know, or you give them a kiss and you touch their face and you say, you know, I love you, but I'm just so tired tonight. So there are plenty of nice ways of saying it that don't feel like shame or embarrassment around it. So really kind of smack it in the middle of, I love you, but no, but <laughs> like sandwich it, sandwich, in with some, sandwich it in with some like nice things in between. <laughs> yes. And I think I did a post where I gave several scripts of how to, um, how to say no to your That's partner. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So lastly, let's talk a little bit about boundaries because <laughs> You know, I think with COVID times, people working from home, homeschooling from home, being together at home all day, everything is just jumbled and mixed up. It's really easy to not have boundaries. What does setting boundaries look like for yourself as a parent? What what is a healthy way of setting boundaries? Hmm, Yeah, I mean... Boundary. I feel like boundaries are such a buzzword. So um, it's important to understand the purpose of a boundary. So boundaries are not about deleting somebody. They're not about trying to control somebody. They're not about trying to get somebody to respect you. Boundaries are really at the heart of it. The purpose of a boundary is to be able to like have more closeness in a relationship. Why is this true? Because when you set a boundary and you're feeling 
like you're being your true self, like this is a need, I'm going to state it, this is a boundary. Uh, it allows you to, to avoid that kind of buildup of resentment that often occurs when we either don't state a boundary, therefore it keeps getting violated, or we never like express it, or even sometimes people kind of push our boundaries. But the purpose of a boundary is really to try to help the relationship be successful and to promote closeness. And so I think that's important to understand when thinking about, well, what boundaries do I want to set? Does it sometimes mean um, not seeing people? It does, but it's not like, I do hear a lot of times, well, especially around the holidays, you know, I'm setting a boundary with my in-laws and so we don't have to go over there anymore. And it's like, <laughs> ah, that's not really what the purpose of a boundary is. That's and like, so, I just don't want to see you basically. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's different. <laughs> don't use boundaries as an excuse to cut people out of your life. That's not necessarily the purpose of, of setting a boundary. So okay. I think, if, you know, you want to think about what are my needs what are my um, like non-negotiables and what is important to the functioning of myself and, and preserving our closeness within our family? And then you can start to kind of think about what boundaries you want to set, whether it's with your partner, as a parent for your children. When it comes to your children type of boundaries, this is a good conversation to have with your partner, maybe at a check-in, um, so you can be on the same page about what you know, what are our boundaries around certain things? I think a lot of couples are struggling with this right now because of the pandemic. They may have different perspectives on how to handle it. Right. So it's good to come together and talk about it. Awesome. If there is one tip, I know this is very vague and broad, but if there's one tip that you can give all parents um, right now, what would that be? It would really be to have the check-ins, to develop a plan um, and a time to come together and really work on cultivating your closeness with one another. It will dramatically change the scope of your relationship. It will help you to be better communicators. It will help you to listen to one another. It will normalize being able to come and talk about difficult things in your relationship. Um, and it will prevent things from growing into major issues that may have been flying under the radar. Awesome. And you said that you have a workshop about this? Yes. So I have have several things. So I did a webinar on sex that is a 60-minute webinar and then 30-minute Q&A. That's a good one to watch. We have a, I did a webinar on how to have a happy and thriving marriage after kids. And I talked about um, three major changes after kids that affect your relationship and how you can prevent them. And then we have a course called Rock Solid Marriage that gives a really um, detailed plan about these um, meetings and talks about major areas of closeness in your relationship and how to cultivate it and keep it strong. Okay. Incredible. And where, where can they find all this? So you can find me at my love thinks, and then you can find all of these resources at online.mylovethinks.com. Awesome. So my love thinks on Instagram, correct? Yep. Okay. And I have a blog too. So lots of articles there and that's my love Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Morgan, for this yeah. conversation. I feel incredibly inspired myself and I'm sure <laughs> everyone listening to this is going to get those those weekly and monthly check-ins with their partners so they could, you know, have a thriving partnership. So thank you so much for encouraging us and I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. 
I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you liked it, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It really is the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more of us, head over to our Instagram and follow us there at Bumo Parent. And to learn more about Bumo Brain Virtual School, follow us at Bumo Brain or head over to bumobrain.com. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you guys next week.